We want to thank everyone for joining us today for the ICEJ webinar series. Uh, of course, we're on day 54 of Israel's war with Hamas in Gaza, and uh, we're uh, dealing with this uh, conflict again, talking about the future of Gaza. A lot of discussions if the IDF finally gets through uh, uh, mowing the grass, as they say, or root, uh, trying to uproot Hamas in Gaza, what will the future of it be? And our guest is Dr. Mordechai Kadar. He's one of Israel's leading uh, scholars on Arab affairs. Uh, he formerly served for 25 years with uh, the uh, Israeli military's intelligence unit and uh, was a has been a lecturer at Bar-Ilan University and uh, was one of the fellows with the Begin Sadat Center, the basis center there, uh, now one of the founders of Newsreel, an independent uh, uh, news outlet uh, and a, a, a news website. And it's good to have you, Mordecai. Good to see you. Thanks a lot so much for having me, and I'm honored to be uh, in your program. Yes, thank you. Uh, we just hope you're doing well. I know uh, you've probably been in great demand over the past two months of, of this conflict because you know the Arab world so well. Uh, and some people may not know it, but you can go on YouTube and, and find videos of uh, Dr. Kadar on Al Jazeera, other Arab language networks, and really uh, giving them the walk forward. Uh, you know, standing up for Israel, the history of the Jewish people, their right to the land, and uh, he's just one of my my heroes for the way he's just uh, so bold and blunt uh, with uh, some of the Arabic media. But uh, Mordechai, we're talking about the future of Gaza, but first we have to talk about the past uh, of uh, the Gaza Strip. How did Hamas come into being? It was basically born there, so, uh, also in the West Bank. And how did it take over Gaza very quickly for our viewers? Well, uh, Hamas was established uh, in late 1987 as the kind of uh, Muslim Brotherhood organization which formerly dealt with Dawah, means uh, social issues. But when the First Intifada erupted, in December of 1987, it uh, suddenly became a fighting militia. And in 1988, it formulated its uh, its uh, charter, uh, claiming that Israel has no right to exist, even on, on a square centimeter, and the whole universe will fight the Jews if they dare to have a state. Uh, even the stones and the trees, they actually quote uh, something from the Quran, from, from the Hadith, and then uh, uh, definitely they, the argument jihad means the holy sacred war against uh, against the Jews because the Jews uh, do not accept the status of dhimmis which Islam uh, gave them. They don't want to be subjugated to Islam just like Christians. And therefore uh, they establish a state with the support of Christians. After all, Lord Balfour, the Minister of Foreign Affairs of Her Majesty uh, was an evangelical Anglican uh, Christian. Now, uh, the whole state of Israel, in the in the view of Hamas, it's a conspiracy between uh, Christians and Jews, especially evangelical Christians. So, uh, therefore, 
Israel has no right to exist, and a jihad should be waged against Israel until its collapse. It could be 10 years, 100 years, 200 years. Time doesn't matter in these issues because the Quran states that Allah is with those who have patience. Mm. There is a verse in the Quran which says it, means they have a lot of patience and therefore Allah is with them. Allah will support them. Allah actually, in their view, uh, gathered the Jews in the state of Israel in, in order to ease it on the Muslims to get rid of them all at one war. And this is what they believe, and, the, and all their actions are derivatives of their belief. And in 2006, in January 2006, they uh, actually won the elections of the PA, uh, which was established in 1994 uh, already in order to face Hamas, because Israel believed in those days that uh, 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 the PLO in the form of the, of the Palestinian Authority will fight the, uh, uh, the Hamas and the Islamic Jihad, another jihadist uh, organization, will fight them without the restrictions of human rights organizations and the Supreme Court in Israel. And this was the raison d'etre behind the establishing of the uh, Palestinian Authority in 1994 or the agreements already, which were signed in September of 1993, the Oslo agreements. However, instead of dealing with Hamas and get, get, getting rid of it, as the PA was designed for and armed for, uh, they actually allowed Hamas to take part in the elections of, 19, of 2006. And in January 2006, uh, Hamas actually won the majority of the seats of the Palestinian Legislative Council, and they actually took, by elections, they took the Palestinian Authority. However, the Fatah did not agree to succumb, so Hamas took Gaza over by force in June of 2007 and established a Hamas state or Hamastan in Gaza and for 16 and a half years already. They developed a big army. Uh, they, alongside with developing a state, with all the organs which state a state needs, like ministries of education, health, transportation, infrastructure, everything which a state needs, Kamastan has, they have leaders, they have army, they have police, they have everything. And factually, Hamas is a state since June 2007. Israel allowed it to happen because Hamas served the Israeli interest of dividing the Palestinian Authority. And this way, the PA was in Ramallah and Hamas was in, in Gaza. And Israel could always say, look at what will happen if the Palestinians have a state. It will turn into Hamas either by elections, as happened in January 2006, or by coup d'etat, as happened in Gaza in June 2007. However, uh, Israel allowed it to, to develop thinking that all Hamas want is to have a state, to have stability, good economy, good life, 
good health, good education, uh, making money. And Israel was impressed by the uh, Hamas demand to have thousands of Gazans crossing every day to Israel in order to work, in order to bring food home, in order to develop the place. And Israel actually uh, agreed to this. And until, uh, and until the 6th of October, every single day, more than 20,000 Gazans crossed to Israel in order to work in construction, in the industry, in the agriculture, and everything else. Uh, apparently, many of them were spies for Hamas and brought the information about the Israeli uh, um, uh, communities near Gaza to, to Hamas. Therefore, when they actually started the war, uh, they brought with them lists of the houses or the buildings of the homes in in the Kibbutzim, like Beheri and Sufar. They know who are the people who live there, how many people live in, the, in every home, and definitely they had the good information. And this is actually how Israel fell asleep uh, on guard, uh, relying on fence, on electronic uh, surveillance, electronic uh, devices which were along the fence, and a reduced number of soldiers who really uh, are uh, guarding the fence uh, 24 on 7. And they understood it. And you can add to this the fact that the Supreme Court in Israel, with the years, did not allow the army to deal with disturbances on the on the fence. Um, uh, the, the Hamas could come to the fence, could uh, shoot, could uh, uh, throw all kinds of uh, charges. Uh, yet the Supreme Court tied the hands of the army because it's uh, uh, nicer to be cute to these people, although many of them were Hamas fighters, checking our red lines and checking our uh, uh, um, readiness to face them. And this way, they prepared to this big attack of uh, October 7th. Apparently, they assumed that Israel can dealing with one place or two places where they burst into Israel, but they, Israel will not be able to deal with 20 places or even more uh, because the forces around Gaza were in reduced numbers uh, during the Israeli high holidays as, as it was in uh, October. Uh, definitely, they knew much about us. We were deceived to think that they are deterred that we are that they are contained and all they want is more or less like us because we think like Israelis, liberal, modern, uh, who want good health and good education and good life. And, uh, and, and we projected our view on them thinking that they want the same things. Why? They were totally different. They are jihadists and they at the end of the day, want to destroy us, and they had the opportunity to attack us when they know when they knew that there is a big music festival on that time, uh, which gave them, uh, in addition to all the people in the communities around Gaza, this music festival gave them 
thousands of youngsters, both boys and girls, in a row at that time in the morning of October 7th, would be tired from dancing through the night, may, may be drunk as well, and some of them might be also uh, uh, after they took drugs. And because this is what happens in this kind of, uh, of uh, uh, festivals all over the world, in Israel as well. So they attacked uh, after sunrise of uh, that morning and captured um, almost 250 uh, people. Some of them are dead. Uh, and uh, now uh, we are at a war because Israel cannot allow such a thing. It took Israel one day to get rid of them inside Israel, and Israel uh, collected the army and, of course, the reserve soldiers and started a war uh, in order to get rid of Hamas, uh, both militarily, means the military wing of Hamas, and also the government of Hamas and everything which is connected to Hamas, because Hamas is a terror organization, whether it is uh, in the military wing or in their civil, civil wing, they are all one organization and they should be treated alike. Just like the world got rid of the Islamic State, ISIS, in uh, Syria and Iraq, just like the Russians flattened uh, uh, Aleppo uh, with the health when uh, some hundreds of jihadists took asylum in uh, Aleppo, this is how the civilized world should deal with these jihadist groups who couldn't care less about lives, neither their people or us. And here, uh, there is a big difference. We evacuated everybody from the uh, perimeter of Gaza and in the north as well, uh, 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 because we want to save their lives, while Hamas are using the people of Gaza as human shields. And from their point of view, uh, the Hamas can hide in the tunnels, while Israel uh, can kill as many as Israel wants uh, within the within the civilians uh, up there, uh, uh, and because it will give uh, uh, Hamas the legitimacy to fight Israel. After all, Israel is killing innocent people in Gaza. However, innocent they are, I don't know, because many of them rejoiced the victory of Hamas on October 6th by uh, uh, giving out uh, sweets in the streets, and uh, some of them also took part in the looting and the raping and the uh, burning in, in, in those communities, and uh, definitely uh, they were uh, with Hamas. One of the Israeli hostages, uh, a, a man, succeeded to run away from the people who were holding to him, but the people of Gaza caught him and gave him to, to uh, Hamas. He was released uh, yesterday. So uh, this is uh, uh, the unfortunate uh, situation uh, here, uh, that uh, Israel now must get rid of Hamas, because if Israel doesn't get rid of Hamas, the war with Hezbollah is only a matter of time, because we have to restore our deterrence. Otherwise, we cannot survive in such an area where all our neighbors hate us and don't want us to be on our forefathers. Yeah. Thank you for, for this uh, opening overview and uh, very sober look at what happened. 
I know there are reports that Hamas didn't know about that music festival. It seems like those paragliders headed straight for it. You could hear the music, and it seems like they went straight for it. They knew what was there. They, they knew exactly. First of all, this is a biannual festival, mm. and this was number six or seven. Okay. So from previous years. Secondly, it was all over the internet. Everybody mm. could read and know what it is. Thirdly, it was broadcast on FaceTime uh, and other platforms uh, on live. So uh, everybody could watch it. And the uh, workers, the workers, which they insisted that they come to Israel to work and to bring some food home, actually saw all the preparations to this festival because the festival took place like 200 meters from the main road, the 232 uh, road, which is right next to Gaza. And they definitely saw the crew which prepared for this festival for two weeks. They were mm. working for two weeks on building the stage, the canopy above it, the, uh, all the facilities there, the electricity facilities, the tents, uh, the parking lots, everything, uh, you know, like a crew of dozens of people where was working on the preparations for at least two weeks. Mm. And and they knew about this uh, inevitably because everyone who was uh, was there going on that road saw those preparations. So to claim that they didn't know about this, it's uh, really uh, 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 unacceptable. Not only this, if you if you remember, it was a big attack. I think I think it was in two thousand and one in Bali, in Indonesia. This was also in a nightclub, a nightclub in Bali. Another attack was in two thousand and five. No, in 15, in Paris, on another nightclub named Bataclan. Mm-hmm. And this was and, and this was another attack in Moscow on a theater. Mm-hmm. Now, what the, the common denominator, and, and of course the music festival here in near Gaza, the common denominator of all these events are that these events actually represent the Westernism or the ethers of modern life in 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 Western societies. Western decadence in their eyes. In their decadence, right. For them, Western music, boys and girls are dancing together. Girls are dressed in minimal dress, alcohol, uh, uh, drugs. All these things are things which Islamists look at and they despise them. They hate them. And not only this, they see them as a threat to their whole societies because the boys and girls are sitting with a cell phone and watch what happens five kilometers from them in this festival. And this was another a, a very important mo- a part of motivation which motivated them to do what they did against Israel, especially uh, against this music festival. Uh, this, I have no doubt. Uh, that this is what made them timing the attack mm. on Israel. The, yeah, the, worst willingness, the willingness to go and attack on Israel uh, was, uh, uh, as a result, the, was the result of the Israeli-Saudi 
negotiations mm-hmm. about uh, uh, normalization between Israel and Saudi because uh, because uh, Hamas knew that if Saudi Arabia signs any peace with Israel many Arab and Islamic countries will follow and the, the Palestinian problem will be forgotten nobody will deal with this anymore because everybody has peace with Israel so in order to Uh, turn the table over the heads of the Israelis and the Saudis together, they produced this uh, war, and they knew that Israel would retaliate, and whenever Israel retaliates against Hamas, the Saudis will not um, allow themselves to sign a peace agreement because it will be looked at as tourism to the Islamic and the, and the Palestinians, as, as, uh, uh, of course. So, uh, this was the, I would say, the circumstances of the whole thing, but We have to add here another very important plan. Hamas, according to the plan of the Iranians, who actually uh, armed Hamas, equipped Hamas, uh, supported Hamas, uh, Hamas should have waited until a clue comes from Iran to everybody. Hamas, Hezbollah, militias in Syria, militias in Iraq, militias in Yemen, for them all together to start a war against Israel when Israel is unprepared. And in their view, Israel would collapse after three days because they would use the barrage of missiles coming from Lebanon, coming from Gaza, coming from Syria, from Iraq, from Yemen. And Israel will not be able to face this barrage of missiles and, uh, and this mis- these missiles would destroy All the infrastructure in Israel, electricity, water systems, uh, transportation system, communication system, every system in Israel will be destroyed by this uh, attack and Israel will collapse. And not only this, uh, they will have an aerial uh, um, uh, invasion on the ground, like what we saw in Gaza, uh, uh, the same thing in the north, uh, and, and the Hezbollah will invade Israel. will capture Nahariya and Shlomi and Kiryat Shmona and Roshpina, these cities or towns which uh, dwell safely and uh, peacefully uh, near, the board, near the border with Lebanon, add to this many of the kibbutzim, the other communities, and Hezbollah will be able to capture thousands of people uh, compared to hundreds of hundreds. And this is what they plan, the satanic, diabolic, Mm-hmm. the plan of the Iranians. Hamas should have waited until that time. However, because of what happened with Saudi Arabia and other things, Hamas decided to go for a war by themselves, without the consent and without notifying the Iranians, Hezbollah and all the other partners of the big war. This actually explains why the Iranians and Hezbollah Until this very day, as we speak now, in the 54th day of the, of the war, so far they did not start an all-out war against Israel. What uh, Hezbollah has in the north, along the border with us, is nothing compared to their abilities. We use a whole uh, stockpile of at least 150,000 missiles which only Hezbollah has, they didn't shoot even one to, towards Tel Aviv or Haifa 
all to the Israeli infrastructure. And this is why in, in, in the Arab world, many people make fun out of Hassan Nasrallah. They, who, who, they ask, what do we have so many missiles for, if not for today, when Israel actually grinds Gaza and uh, equates it with the earth and chases all these Hamas, Hamas and actually kills them? Why don't you open the northern front, uh, you know, and for an all-out war against Israel? Why do you? Why, why don't you interfere? And this is actually uh, what happened because Hamas started war by themselves, um, and the Shia means Iran and the Hezbollah feel betrayed mm. by Hamas because now everybody is aware of the Iranian big plan. Everybody understands what Hezbollah wants to do. And the worst thing of all is the American flotilla headed by the aircraft carrier Ford with some eight or nine uh, ships as well. And this uh, flotilla has the ability to flatten Iran with the earth. So mm -hmm. now, uh, this is something which the Iranians did not take in account. And they did. They actually um, planned the plan which Israel will collapse un uh, until the third day, or it will take take Israel three days to collapse before the Americans even understand what is happening, mm -hmm. before the American vessels are leaving Virginia or wherever they are, before Americans are here, Israel will be finished. And this is what the diabolic, satanic uh, plan of the Iranians was. And Hamas actually destroyed it. Now, I'm not, I'm the last man on earth to thank Hamas for what they did, killing 1,400 Israelis, kidnapping 240 like, um, and then and, 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 and this is an atrocity in, in every uh, kind of, uh, of, of measure. But uh, uh, the alternative was much much worse mm. and Hamas actually destroyed the Iranian plan to wage an all-out war concentrated and signed by at least five parties and uh, this would be much worse than what happened in Gaza. So uh, on one hand I'm the last one to thank Hamas yet the alternative which Hamas exposed uh, was much more a devastating voice. Yeah. In our search for uh, any sort of bright side in this whole scenario, I think it is good that uh, the the whole Iranian, the overall Iranian plan was exposed by this, and the evil of Hamas was exposed on October 7. Let's focus on our topic, the future of Gaza. Israel uh, seems very determined and united, <laughs> believe it or not, that the uh, to, to rid Gaza of Hamas, and that brings up the question, what's going to happen uh, post uh, in, in Gaza afterwards? Israel has said we're going to have to stay there for a while and be overall in charge of security. Others can come and, and pay to rebuild it, but uh, the U.S. and others are saying that we need to revitalize Palestinian authority in post-war Gaza. 
maybe some, even al-Sisi of Egypt said there could be UN or NATO or European or even a pan-Arab force in there. What is a realistic, uh, given where we are today, a realistic uh, picture of, of the future of Gaza? Well, David, as we speak now on Wednesday, uh, November 29, uh, by the way, this was the the day of the Balfour Declaration, which yeah. we mentioned. And uh, because of the events in Gaza, people forgot it. But uh, here is a good stage to remember the, the, the fact that actually Balfour, an evangelical Christian, actually was the, uh, gave the first step to the Zionist movement uh, in, the interna in the international arena. Because until that very day, the Zionist movement worked mainly within the Jewish communities. And this was the first uh, event of something which was out from the Jewish people, uh, which was part of the uh, re-establishing of the Jewish state on this land. And definitely, we have to salute uh, Lord Balfour from this stage, uh, and I definitely take advantage of the fact that I'm here now in order to commemorate Lord Balfour, may he rest in peace. And however, and when we talk about Gaza, as we speak today, uh, there are all kinds of suggestions uh, to stop the fire, stop the war, uh, as a kind of a deal between Israel and Hamas, that Israel will release all the, all the uh, Palestinians from the the Israeli prisons, Hamas will release all the hostages, Hamas will remain in Gaza in the way or another, and it will be it will be allowed to keep its uh, force uh, as it was until today. This is what now Qatar, the sponsor of Hamas, tries to push forward. Uh, I'm afraid that uh, Americans also uh, believe that this is the best way how to finish this saga. Uh, unfortunately, the Israeli people um, uh, un might accept it, although many, many in Israel, I would even say most of the Israelis, uh, still believe that Hamas should, should not be there anymore, that all the people of Hamas should be, you know, killed. Otherwise, they will start again to rearrange themselves, or to, to rearm themselves uh, in order to uh, uh, wage the same war in 15 years from today. Uh, because they have patience. And uh, this is why uh, in the Israeli population, there is a big, big uh, resentment about these rumors, uh, uh, or because of these rumors about uh, maybe finishing the war at this point. Uh, therefore, I'm at all not sure that this war will restart itself after the days of uh, Udna or ceasefire. Uh, yet, I do hope that Israel will do the necessary thing in order to uh, to achieve the goals which the government declared from the beginning, to get rid of the military wing of Hamas and to get rid of Hamas altogether. Um, I, I still hope that Israel will stick to, the, to its uh, goals and the Americans and the Europeans will support uh, these goals, uh, I hope, because uh, they all, I believe, know that if Israel fails vis-a-vis Hamas, it will encourage the Islamists who are everywhere in the world, especially in Western Europe, Central Europe, like Germany, and, of course, the United States of America. 
And if they are coming out from this war encouraged, the next war is only a matter of time. Yeah, this is, uh, I tell you, the, the whole uh, imagery of home invasions and people being slaughtered in their beds. Uh, uh, many jihadists, they, they, they had great glee with us, and it's something that could spread all around the world. Um, so, I mean, we see this in recent days, this proposal of all Israeli hostages in exchange for all the Palestinian prisoners um, and uh, turning it into a permanent ceasefire. There is pressure for that, but I, I think the Israeli government and military are far more determined to, to keep uh, grinding away in Gaza. Yes, the army is determined because, uh, after all, don't forget that the army will have to bear the consequences of another renewed Hamas. Yeah. So the army definitely wants to get rid of this Hamas. However, the government uh, apparently is under pressure from the Americans, maybe Europeans, and uh, maybe Egypt as well, part of this, because Egypt doesn't want to be, uh, to, to be viewed as a country which supported uh, the eradication of, uh, of uh, Hamas, because it will bring or might bring the Muslim Brotherhood in Egypt to do something nasty against their own state, which succumbed to the Israeli uh, uh, dictates uh, and, uh, and, and, and allowed uh, Israel to let Gaza or things like this. So uh, this is uh, the Arab countries, even those who are uh, who have with peace agreement with us, especially Egypt and Jordan, uh, might be uh, between the hammer and the hard place uh, because of this consideration. And uh, the Palestinian Authority sort of taking over in in uh, Gaza, you, you don't see that? That's a non-starter right now? It is a big non-starter because what I'm afraid that is once they have Gaza, they will declare statehood. And now it will be much harder for Israel to deal with terrorists. Uh, and, and, and we all know that the PA is sponsoring terrorism by sponsoring their families. They actually, they have two organizations which belong to the PLO. And one of them is the Tanzim, the, the Fatah Tanzim. And the second is the Al-Aqsa Martyrs, who belong to the PLO. And they are openly, explicitly fighting against Islam. So, in my view, uh, allowing them to have a state again or to restore their state stay in statehood in Gaza for Israel, it would be devastating. Yeah, it seems every time they try to declare and birth a Palestinian state, it always gets uh, uh, stillborn. And uh, you got to declare it again because there were dozens and dozens of nations when the Arafat declared it in 1988, but there's still no state. Um, and just uh, in the time we have left, can you just say something about uh, the Hamas ideology and how it also targets Christians? And isn't the root problem of all this radical Islamic terrorism, ISIS, Daesh, and, and Hamas, this Quranic uh, dream, this Hadith you mentioned about the the rocks and trees calling out, there's a Jew hiding behind me. It's that, that prophetic vision of Islam that one day 
they will conquer and rule the world. This is really what motivates and energizes all these radical Islamic movements, which targets Jews and Christians as the main obstacles to achieving that end. Yes, and, and they are very much encouraged by the silence of the Christian world to the agony of Christians all over the Middle East, which are suffering from, especially from Islamists and the Muslim Brotherhood organizations. You know, millions of uh, Christians, Coptic uh, Christians, ran away from Egypt. Millions of Christians ran away from Iraq and, uh, after 2003. Many of them, uh, I don't know how many, but most of them ran away from Syria as well. You know, in Syria, is called Antakya in Arabic, part of Syria, was the heartland of the Byzantine uh, Christian Empire. And now Christians are running away. Uh, even Christians in Gaza ran away. Christians in Judea and Samaria are running away. And this is unfortunate what happens in the Arab world, where uh, Christians are viewed as the the uh, act, actors against Islam, especially since Lord Balfour, may he rest in peace, um, uh, uh, supported the Zionist uh, plan to establish a and Jewish state here, and from their point of view, this is very dangerous, because the mere existence of the state of Israel is a challenge to the to Islam. Why? According to the Islamic creed, or the Islamic uh, philosophy, uh, Islam came to the world to replace both Judaism and Christianity. Uh, according to this theory, Islam is the only din haq, as it said in Arabic, means religion of truth, while Judaism and Christianity are uh, null and void, are din batil, um, religion of falsehood. And uh, therefore, Jews and Christians will still stick to this illegal, immoral, uh, irrelevant religions, Judaism and Christianity, they should be punished, uh, and they are punished by Allah, because now they have to live under the yoke of Islam as dhimis, as people who live under the auspices of Islam. Jews and Christians have no right to a state, have no right to a government, army, uh, police, and whatever manifestation of independence they are not allowed to have. They are. They have to live under the yoke of Islam, paying the jizya, means skull tax, head tax, mm-hmm. uh, uh, every month when they are humiliated, means crawling on the ground, getting a, a kick uh, in, 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 the, in the in the in the head, and to run away from the from the home after they bring the taxes to the tax collector, the Islamic tax collector, and this is how Jews should live under the yoke of Islam, there are more ways how to humiliate them, like they are not allowed to ride a horse, only a donkey. And the church and the synagogue should be lower for, lower than the mosque. And the Christian home and the Jewish home should be lower, some lower compared to the uh, Muslims' home. And all kinds of other... Jews and Christians should walk in the sewage canal rather than in the dry and clean uh, 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 the sidewalk 
which is dedicated for the Muslims. You know, the sewage canal in the Middle Ages it didn't have only what comes out from the kitchens in the households. Everything which came out from the households was in the street. And the Jews and Christians were forced to walk in it in order to denigrate them, in order to humiliate them, and in order to uh, persecute them in such a way. So, okay, so this is how Jews and Christians should live. Jews and Christians have no right to a state. And the fact that the state of Israel actually was established by a collaboration and cooperation between Jews and Christians, they view it as a conspiracy against Islam, against the mere existence of Islam. Because if Judaism comes back to life, it goes to a process of resurrection, and then with the, with Judaism will come back to life. What will be with Islam, which came to the world in order to replace Judaism and Christianity? This is why Israel, the whole Israel, is no right to exist. And the, the Jewish people are not even a people. They are communities which belong to all the states in the world. And that's where they have to go, go, go back to. And this land, uh, Palestine, is the only endowment land uh, already sanctified by Umar when it was uh, uh, occupied in 638 CE. Um, and there is no way to take out a land from the Islamic world. This is why Spain should re return to be Islamic. Sicily, the island of Sicily, should return to be Islamic. Large parts of the Balkans which were once under the Islamic yoke, should return to be Islamic. And actually, the land of Islam should continue all the way north to the gates of Vienna, where they were defeated in September 11, 1683. Ah. Lo and behold, now we can understand why September 11 was chosen for the attacks on the United States of America. This is how these people think. Therefore, in their, in their view, Israel has absolutely no right to exist, and Israel should be eradicated in order to save Islam, to save the religion, because the state of Israel actually is a revival of the Jewish nation, the Jewish nation, and the Jewish creed. And this is why the war against Israel is a holy war in the jihad, in order to save Islam from uh, the being uh, pushed aside by Christianity and Judaism, which come back to life here in Israel with the form of the state of Israel. This is how these people think, and this is why there, there will be a constant war forever uh, against Israel, which will uh, wait until Israel will be weakened. And here, here, is the, here is the point. If Israel will be powerful, dangerous, invincible, it can have, it can enjoy temporary peace. Because Islam as a culture, Islam as a nation, Islam as a religion is not suicidal. People, uh, individuals could be, but not the nation. And therefore, whenever they have um, an, an enemy who is too powerful to be defeated, they can give him temporary peace, which will continue only as long as this enemy is too powerful, too dangerous, and too deterring. If Israel will be dangerous and deterring, it will enjoy temporary peace. If Israel will be dangerous, powerful, and deterring forever, 
Israel will enjoy temporary peace forever. And this is how we can achieve peace in the Middle East. And this is my advice to everybody to understand the mindset of the Muslims, which is totally different from the uh, mindset in the West. Americans, Western Europeans, usually do not understand this culture because they think from their own point of view, from their own lenses, from their mindset, from their social toolbox, and this, all these devices do not give any anything to the Westerner when he needs to understand Islamic societies. You have to learn Arabic, you have to learn history of the Arab and Islamic world, you have to learn theology of Islam in order to understand all these things, which brings them to believe that an all-out war should be waged against Israel as a long hand of the Westernism implanted in this region by Lord Balfour. Yeah, a tribute to him. Yeah, I think even Yasser Arafat, uh, this was sort of what he preached in the mosque in South Africa back around 94, 95, that we got to wait, our enemy is stronger, we got to wait. I hope that's not the spirit and thinking behind the Abraham Accords, but uh, we'll see. It's a very sober assessment that you've given. One last question, Dr. Dr. Kadar. Um, there, you mentioned in medieval times the, the way the Islam not only denigrated the Jewish and Christian minorities in the Middle East, if they did not convert to Islam, they could stay uh, Christian or Jewish, but had to be subservient and they were humiliated all the time. But there's also a long history in Islam when they take the offensive of massacres, rape, pillage, like we saw on October 7th. Is that uh, does Hamas see itself carrying on that sort of legacy, or were there actually imams, the reports that imams actually authorized, gave a religious ruling, you can go and rape these Jewish women? Well, this is the way how Muslims, but unfortunately not only Muslims, uh, what they do in war. Uh, look, the Japanese uh, abuse sexually the Chinese women. Uh, it happened in Africa. It happens in many cultures. Also in the Second World War, um, in Europe, you could see uh, mass rape cases. So in this case, uh, Islam is no difference because, because unfortunately women suffer from wars because they are women. And we have to admit, we men, uh, should admit that this is a situation in many places in the world, not only in the Islamic world, and this is some, I would say, a trend in the male mindset that a war allows everything, uh, even uh, sexual abuse against women. And uh, this is something which uh, I don't know how to explain because for this I have to be a psychiatrist, which uh, I am not. This one thing should be, should be mentioned yet. Uh, uh, Islam uh, um, allowed the Muslims to take the lens of the infidels, the lives of the infidels, the property of the infidels, and the daughters of the infidels. We hear it too often 
uh, in Europe when uh, rape cases and uh, when the rapists are migrants who came to Europe. And this is a story which comes in the interrogation time after time, what they claim that they're feeling vis-a-vis the European women and girls, you can hear it time and again. Okay, well, I think that's a, a fair assessment. And I, we just really appreciate your time and your expertise. Uh, you've spent a whole career trying to understand the Arab and Muslim mindset. Uh, as far as I'm concerned, you're the leading scholar on Arab affairs in Israel. And I know Bernard, uh, uh, who's the guy, uh, he was the big Muslim scholar in the U.S., uh, Bernard Lewis, and others, uh, and and I've known Rafi Israeli and uh, Professor, um, uh, there was another guy at Hebrew U, Yigar Carmon. Yigar Carmon, Rafi Israeli. Yeah. Uh, with Bukai, yes. There are, there are in Israel scholars who do not succumb to the Western political correctness. Yes. Which actually castrated the research. Because if you cannot write the, the truth because somebody doesn't like the truth or somebody is embarrassed when you expose the truth, this is no research. This is a whole uh, Orientalism, the book by um, uh, Edward Said. Said, yeah, who said a Westerner really can't understand the Middle East and, and such. But uh, we just appreciate you. You have to go in there and filter out what what we need to know from the Arab and, and Muslim mindset. And uh, it's very, very helpful to our folks. We appreciate it. And thank you for your time, Dr. Mordechai Kadar, one of Israel's leading scholars on Arab affairs, talking about the future of Gaza and a lot of other topics. We hope you've enjoyed today's um, uh, webinar. Uh, and we're going to be here tomorrow, Thursday, the 30th of November at 3 p.m. with another webinar. We're going to have uh, uh, David Bedeen, an investigative journalist, talking about UNRWA, the facilitator of Hamas, the corruption and collaboration of UNRWA in helping build up Hamas in Gaza. God bless you from Jerusalem, and thank you again, uh, Mordecai.